Hey everybody, this is Armando Torres, and you're listening to the show before the show. And I'm Paige Wesley. And with us we have... Crystal Adams. Yay! And we have got a fantastic episode for you. Uh, Paige has brought us an offering of one of the weirdest and wildest (laughs) UFO cults I've ever heard of in my entire life. It's so fun. Ascended Masters... Fancy maracas, it's all here for you. <laughs> uh, but before we get into it, uh, we have got some uh, news. The first piece of news is that we have a Patreon that is releasing new content regularly. Yay! Go ahead and uh, visit us at patreon.com slash cultpodcast to check out all of our tiers and to listen to our bonus content uh, ranging from the speculation zone uh, to dramatic readings of Paige Wesley's erotic vampire novel, Maneater. Yep. Lots of sex. Don't listen to it at work. <laughs> Play it for your parents. <laughs> or don't. Don't. Tell them someone else wrote it. That's fine. Uh, <laughs> uh, and also, if you are looking for a new place to listen to the show, might we suggest Rooster Teeth? Cook, 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 cook. a doodle doo. <laughs> oh, I was waiting for Crystal to do it, but I guess not. Oh, I was gonna. Oh, rock a doodle do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Chanta Claire, what up? <laughs> rock a doodle, sunny day. day. You big old little rain cloud, cloud. cloud out with this voice of mine. <laughs> I love rock a doodle. <laughs> sun go shine, gonna shine. <laughs> Oh my god. <laughs> I can't believe it took us this long to have a rock a doodle rooster yeah. teeth plug. Yeah. Oh it. man. This is this bit is really maturing in a way that I am very happy to watch. Oh my god. Uh, if you're looking for a place to listen to the show, Rooster Teeth is a fantastic place uh, to do so. A bunch of our episodes are up there right now. We're trying to add more all the time, but there's also a bunch of other really great content as well, like other podcasts. Um, other shows, live streams, a bunch of really, really fun stuff. You can download the app and get it on a bunch of your devices like your Xbox, your Amazon Fire Stick, your Roku television, your phone, etc. But you could also just go to the website, roosterteeth.com. And I think without any further ado, let's get into the show. Hello. 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 Sun don't shine, I don't know how much of that I'm leaving in, but it is some of it, definitely. <laughs> <laughs> All right. <laughs> For the purposes of this podcast, we define a cult as organizations that rally behind an entity or leader who espouse beliefs outside the norm organizations that require physical or monetary sacrifice as a condition of membership organizations in which the doctrines followed by the leaders are different than that of the followers organizations in which isolation is encouraged either by commune living or by a policy of disconnection from outside relationships and organizations that actively recruit new members all cults might have some or all of these traits and as always these these are are our opinions. opinions Thank you for tuning into Cult Podcast. I'm Paige Wesley. And I'm Armando Torres. And with us we have... Crystal Adams. Yay! Yay! 
thank you for joining us today, Crystal. Crystal and I uh, had a podcast together. Well, still technically have. We'll get back to it eventually. Yeah. Uh, Black Card Rehab. And Crystal is working on the comics project that I'm working on that we have been plugging in the last couple of weeks. So say hi. Tell us about yourself. Yes. Um, so uh, me and my partner, yes, we are using those words. Don't hate us. Um, <laughs> don't. <laughs> be, be modern with it. I don't give a shit. Did I miss something? Are we not supposed to say that? Yeah. People have a thing about people calling um, like their significant others like my partner. Yeah. They have a thing about it. Yeah. Um, I get it. If you're not, if you're not robbing banks together and committing <laughs> fraud, then you cannot call yourselves partners. If you have not completed a three-legged race successfully, you can't call yourselves partners. It's like, okay, so you and your fellow yeah. bank robber. Yeah, my fellow yeah. bank robber, the Clyde to my Bonnie. Um, <laughs> and, um, so uh, we co-own a, a comic book publishing company called Fair Square Comics, and we are launching a comic book magazine, um, and Issue Zero is... Um, our inaugural magazine where we're going to be um, sharing with people uh, some of the best and uh, the the best comic book artists, writers, um, creators that are known and unknown, as well as um, some comic book stories. So we're going to have feature, feature articles as well as some comic book stories in there. And what we really hope to do is to be a place where people that are interested in comics just across the board have a place where they can have their, you know, it's kind of we're, we're curating we're curating what is the best of the best out there right now because right now it's kind of a little all over the place you know a lot of the magazines and um blogs are really covering the major studios like um, marvel and dc um but we'll be covering all of it across the board from independent creators to the big studios yay yay that's super, wow. <laughs> that's super yeah. cool yay so do you mind if I do like a nude spread for one of your issues? Is that cool? Um, only if somebody is drawing it. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Hell yeah. Yeah, you're gonna draw it of your. You're gonna do a self portrait of your <laughs> you nude. Need, <laughs> you need well, somebody to draw you like one of their French girls. Exactly. Yeah, yeah. I would rather have somebody else draw me because if it's a self portrait, it's gonna look very bad. It's just, <laughs> I also I do want to say I, I want to emphasize that it will be a spread. I'm talking hand to butt cheek <laughs> opening hole. <laughs> Yeah, we could put that in, um, you know, we, we have a couple more surprises for, for our, our Kickstarter. <laughs> a couple more, we'll put that in the stretch goal, the stretch yeah. of the stretchiest yeah. goals. <laughs> the, the spread goals, actually. Yeah. We'll make yeah. it a spread goal. Yeah. <laughs> spread At the very least, you got to get me on for epi- uh, issue 69. That's the only yes. thing. Yes. Yes. There you go. There you go. And then again in uh, issue 420. Because I believe in you. You're going to do it. You're going to make it. Thank you. Thank you so much. (laughs) Well, are you guys ready to talk about some UFO nonsense today? Oh, my God. Always. Hell yeah. Yes. 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 (laughs) So this is one that's been requested in the Facebook group and on social media a lot. And we had kind of shied away from it originally because it's really difficult to find concrete facts about this group 
most of what we have comes from them. Uh, but I found uh, an article that was written about them, like a university published educational article about them oh. that had a lot more information. And so I'm very excited that we're talking about the Ethereum Society today. Whoa. <laughs> yes. Yes. This is, is very that- exciting to me because I've been listening to sleep stories um, and I've been frequently going to space every night. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so wait, what I can't are, wait what are, to weigh in. <laughs> what are sleep stories? Oh, man. I have not been able to fall asleep easily. And the sleep stories are literally that. They are stories created to help you fall asleep. And so there are stories that are like just interesting enough that you don't want to rip the headphones out of your ear, but not too interesting that you don't want to fall asleep immediately. Mm. Um, and they like, they audio engineer it perfectly so that like you're kind of in this hypnotic state, like as they're reading it and that, you know, the sound isn't too bothersome to your ear. It's amazing. And I'm, but yes, I am frequently going to um, space with Astrid. So oh, <laughs> nice. I need to Very try nice. that because I fall asleep watching YouTube videos. But the problem is like I'll be laying in bed holding the phone over my face and then I will wake <laughs> up to dropping the phone on my own face. I listen um, to a lot of uh, uh, ASMR, which is just, you know, there's a weird stigma around it where because some of it sounds like stirring macaroni and cheese when they're just like <laughs> fall asleep. <laughs> But that's not what I do. I listen to uh, like people whispering in other languages because I feel like because oh. I can't understand them, you know, yeah. so I'm not focusing on anything. And it gives me the same feeling of like falling asleep watching TV where you stop being able to understand what they're saying. Mm-hmm. It's, mm-hmm. it's really nice. <laughs> you know, you know, it's just it's just some some German person saying you cunt in German. Yeah. Over and over. <laughs> I hate you so much. You're the worst. I can't believe you can't fall asleep. Even babies can fall asleep. What's wrong with you? (laughs) Yeah, the worst part is that I sleep with my window open and I don't use headphones because I don't want to have them on when I fall asleep. So there's definitely somebody that's just walking outside that's just hearing somebody in Russian being like, and they just think that I'm some like fucking spy or some shit. I think it's there's great. a Cold War sleeper cell in that apartment. <laughs> a Russian spy in apartment five. <laughs> All right. Well, are you guys ready to get into these sources? We got sources. Absolutely. Yes. Can you read them okay. like you're a sleepy time story? <laughs> From the New York Times, we have a <laughs> yes! documentary. Yes, that is it exactly. Called "When Talking to Aliens Is Your Religion." <laughs> Next, we have an article by James R. Lewis called "The Earth Is a Dangerous Place: The Worldview of the Aetherius Society." Next, we have the Aetherius.org, their biography on Dr. George King, as well as their articles on mediums. We then have a YouTube interview with Dr. King and his account of his first encounter with extraterrestrials in 1954. Then we have a hardback book, The King Who Came to Earth, written by Richard Lawrence and Brian Keenip. And finally, we have Huck Magazine's Perspectives article on the Ethereum Society. Are we ready? Oh, yes. I was <laughs> asleep. You just I woke was... me up. The, that section is really quiet in the waveforms. So you're probably going to have to boost it. Ah, it's fine. Just a heads up. 
<laughs> I was really thrown by uh, Dr. King. Yeah, right? Yeah, we'll get to it. <laughs> I'm ready. I feel like he was really uh, taking a lot of credibility that he didn't earn. <laughs> it's, it's a lot of, I have a dream. There were aliens in it. Also, my father was there and my teeth started to fall out. And then someone was cheating on me, but then I got mad at them in real life. Anyway, you get it. <laughs> so... The Ethereum Society is kind of an interesting one. Uh, I would I would kind of classify this almost like Unarius Part 2. Because what we have here is a UFO theosophy-based belief system that is comprised entirely of consenting adults. Mm. It doesn't recruit. Nobody mm. gets hurt. And it only costs $52 to join. Oh, man. <laughs> I got $52. Yeah. I do, too. Um, Armando, you do also. And to be honest, this is one of those ones where I'm like, yeah, if you want to give them your $52, fine. <laughs> like, that you could give $52 to way worse shit. Yeah. Um, <laughs> For the price of 52 cups of coffee a day, you, too, <laughs> can sound like a fucking crazy person. Um, one of the most interesting parts about the Ethereum Society is that they are technically a doomsday cult, but they approach it in a completely different way than any other doomsday or apocalyptic cult that we have covered. Wow. And here's why. They believe in the apocalypse the same way that the Terminator franchise believes in ju Judgment Day. It's coming, but we're going to do everything in our power to stop it before it comes. And sometimes oh. our actions might delay or alter the apocalypse that is definitely still coming. Mm -hmm. But we have an uh, essentially an obligation to try and stop it. Gotcha. Mm -hmm. It's like yeah. uh, the apocalypse edging, basically. Mm -hmm. Yes. Yeah. Mm. And we'll get into this a little bit later, but they absolutely believe that they have prevented potential doomsdays and apocalypses already. Okay. I'm sorry, I can't stop laughing at Apocalypse Edging. Where it's just, it's just, the universe is like, oh, oh no. I, I'm gonna doomsday. Oh. oh man, they also fully believe that the work that they're doing to try and save the world from the apocalypse may someday actually do that, and they will transform our current world into a place of peace and harmony where the apocalypse doesn't have to happen. Mm. Which, again, pretty unique for a doomsday cult. Um, and they actually believed it so much that in 1997, they vocally and publicly criticized a different UFO religion <laughs> for a series of tapes and content that they had released regarding the apocalypse. They claimed that the other group didn't understand how the apocalypse worked and they were doing it all wrong. There was no spaceship coming behind the Hale-Bopp comet and there was no need to try and vacate our earthly plane. The work was here and we needed to stay here to do it. But unfortunately, their critique fell on deaf ears and the media didn't pick it up until it was too late and Heaven's Gate had already become a massive news story and they just became this afterthought of basically the only people crying wolf about Heaven's Gate at the mm, time. Wow. Yeah. Fascinating. And a lot of people didn't realize that they were essentially critiquing them before the deaths by suicide. And so they thought that they were just kind of trying to like grab media attention. Mm -hmm. But they had been like being petty against Heaven's Gate for like 
months before it where they were just like they don't even understand the apocalypse you don't even know they didn't tell us the spaceship was coming and if we didn't know about it then it's definitely not coming it's like they were treating it like uh what's it called like kids in high school who have never had sex but definitely want you to think that they had sex where they're Mm -hmm. like yeah guys you know how like the doomsday comes and then like afterwards like your um like your fingers smell like um like bread (laughs) right so hot they don't smell like bread they smell like fish you don't know what you're talking about um no because like um because like um i've had a lot of doomsday you know It was at camp, though. You don't know the planet. It's fine. Yeah, yeah, yeah. my doomsday lives in Canada. Uh, <laughs> definitely real, not, man- not imaginary. Uh, but to understand why this group evolved into such a different type of apocalypse religion, we have to start at the beginning. And some of this we don't have official information on because the only source is the Aetherius Society. <laughs> And they're obviously going to say certain things about uh, the guy who founded their religion that maybe are less than true or more than true. (laughs) We'll get into it. Okay. George King was born near Wellington in Shropshire, England on January 23rd, 1919. And according to most sources, he grew up in a pretty normal Christian home, But also, according to a lot of sources, his family dabbled in the occult. Hardcore. (laughs) Which, at the time, was more common than you would think, depending on the brand of Christianity that you are into. This is the time of Christian Gnosticism kind of being popular. Uh, So it's not that weird. Um, He doesn't talk as much about the occult, and I think it's interesting that he doesn't address it. Because his belief system will very much mirror a lot of the organization of occult secret societies later on, mm-hmm. which is interesting. Um, but if you look at this time frame, this is the birth of theosophy. Madame Blavatsky is still alive and well at this time, and metaphysical, philosophical, psychic, and paranormal societies were everywhere in England and the US. So it's no surprise that he grew up. And experimented with a number of these belief systems. By the time he was in his late teens and early 20s, he had already dabbled in a number of secret societies. And if you're wondering about secret societies at the time, and you're questioning which ones would have been around, in the region where he was, you may recognize some of the famous ones. The Order of the Golden Dawn, the Ordo Templi Orientis, and a younger baby secret society, the Lema. Oh... Yeah, I'm I'm very I'm very intrigued by the concept of dabbling in a secret society. Yeah, from my end, like <laughs> everything that I've ever known about secret societies, they're pretty. Is that they're like super secret. Yeah, <laughs> and also that they're like you you must commit. Yeah, they're pretty they're pretty fucking time consuming. Honestly, <laughs> they're very time consuming. What I find is really interesting, and if you have some time, I highly recommend. Last podcast on the left just did a three-part series about a month or two ago on Aleister Crowley and the amount of secret societies that dude was in. <laughs> like, so many. And, and is he British, like, too? He is British, too. See, that's and the thing, is that these people have money. 
they don't gotta do shit during the day. I I have can't tell that's you even actually today. Very true of Aleister Crowley. <laughs> That's why. That's how they can do it. I that makes sense now. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, if you have time to just stop everything in your day just so you can drink tea, you have time for anything. <laughs> cult number one at five. Cult number three at at seven thirty. Mm, me and Reginald, we're gonna go play squash after our Illuminati meeting. Mm. And the Illuminati is also around at this time, as we covered with Armando. Um, but one of the things about these secret societies is a lot of them were kind of more like supper clubs. And you would just kind of need to be invited by a member. And then if you wanted to get really into it and get into the upper echelons, that took a ton of time. Oh, okay. And in some cases, ejaculating on knives. And uh, like, it's a whole yeah. thing. Fuck yeah. Um, Come but knives. At the lower level where people were just kind of drinking and talking about philosophy shit, you could be in any number of societies pretty easily. Yeah. So it Um, just requires alcoholism. Oh, yeah. Alcoholism and friends. Um, That sounds sounds like me in like 10 years. Yeah. I'm headed there. (laughs) A lot of these quote unquote secret schools or secret societies were just built on keeping people out so Mm. it's this idea of like you come you hang out with us if we think that you jive with what we have then we let you in on like more and more and more information as you go until you get to the very top but it's just kind of gatekeeping for gatekeeping sake because none of it's real yeah and part of jiving with them involves talk and jive yeah (laughs) jive turkeys They all wore bell bottoms and leisure suits. They were like 40 years ahead of their time. It was great. But there were no black people, I bet. No. no. It's it's England in the 1920s and 30s. You know, I would doubt it. Strong doubt. I just really want to see a bunch of English guys. Like, like they're talking like Brit, like in their British accents before they get in the room. And then once they get in the room, they're like, hey, job, turkey. <laughs> Listen here, Black Dynamite. I sell drugs in the community. Like, that, it's that conversation. Oh, uh, I want to hear somebody from Britain talking. Talk, uh, I want it so much. <laughs> Uh, I do think, um, I mean, this sounds terrible. Black people are too cool for this shit. Yeah. (laughs) This is a lot of reading books about things that never happened Mm. and then using that to plan out 18 and 19 day rituals where you repeat the same things and eat specific things and have sex with specific people in hopes of bringing about something that is intangible and that you could never prove that you did. And then at the end of it being like victory. Wow. This sounds a lot like getting a liberal arts degree. It's it's a lot like Dungeons and Dragons. So like after now having played Dungeons and Dragons, I'm pretty sure this was just Dungeons and Dragons. For most people, where you just show up, everyone rolls dice strategically, and at the end, you're like, we defeated the Demogorgon. And you're like, did we? I think we just sat here for three hours. (laughs) I definitely defeated these snacks. (laughs) 
so while I don't have confirmation on specifically which secret societies he worked with or dabbled in, I will say that what we see later on is a very chaos magic approach to his work. So it was likely the kind of Blavatskyan metaphysical societies. And he's very methodical and organized. And later in the Aetherius Society, he organizes missions and operations in the same way that most secret schools or magic societies would organize rituals. So he kind of takes that with him later on. But one of the few things that we do know for sure that he tried out was being a Quaker. And we haven't talked about Quakers at length, but they tend to avoid conflict and strive to live in a peaceful community. Mm. So this led him to being a conscientious objector in World War II. So he refused to fight in World War II. And instead, according to him, can't verify it, but according to him, he took a job temporarily with British Fire Service to put out fires after air raids. So where he's hmm. like, I'm not going to fight. I'm going to help put fires out. I I do always love and appreciate that the Quakers can be perfectly represented by oatmeal. Like they are the oatmeal. <laughs> <laughs> So following the war, he decided that he was going to take up a new hobby linked to the secret schools and societies that he had participated in, and that was yoga. And there's a couple different accounts of how this went down. So secret societies in the UK particularly had been dabbling in yoga for a while, and they used it as kind of like a, a an assist to meditation. And a lot of that comes from Blavatsky, who traveled through East Asia. Um, but it's kind of a whitewashed version. <laughs> it's a lot of white people being like, I saw other people doing this, and I think they're magic, so I'm going to try it. <laughs> so so yoga. yoga. Yeah. So yoga. Mm-hmm. Uh, but his biography on the website says... He took his yearning for truth a step further by taking up the ancient spiritual practice of yoga. Not so much yoga for physical fitness, but rather the higher aspects of yoga, including intense yoga breathing, mantra yoga, and kundalini yoga. Yoga was, of course, a much more unusual thing to do in those days than it is now. But what was even more unusual was his total commitment to it. Practicing for an average of 8 to 10 hours a day for a decade or so. At the same time as living in London and holding down a full-time job, exclamation point. No. No. What? That okay. full-time job, by the way? Taxi driver. <laughs> <laughs> oh, but in 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 London? In London. That's really intense. Yeah, 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 yeah. In 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 London in the nineteen late nineteen forties, early nineteen fifties. Yeah. They they have to take like a crazy test. Oh, yeah. To it's become a, a taxi deal. driver. Like, you have to know streets like, yeah, a mother. Okay. Yeah. Yep. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You have to t- You have to be able to tell when somebody's walking here. That's like <laughs> 90% of a taxi driver's job. <laughs> I mean, if that is true, respect. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the other 10% is the other 10% is deciding whether or not you're talking to me cuz there's nobody else here. So you must be talking to me. Um you also have to be able to tell when your passenger is just flirting with you or this is about to become a porno. 
Well, it's pretty easy to tell now. If your taxi service begins with the word fake, it's I'm I'm pretty sure you are about to get fucked. Um, but if you add that time together, so let's say full time job driving a taxi, let's say that's eight to ten hours, and then another eight to ten hours. Yeah. Home dude not sleeping all that much. No. If, if this is true. Yeah. Right. <laughs> or he's doubling up and he's working like a full eight to ten uh, as a taxi driver. Just full yoga pose. <laughs> it's just like. <laughs> just warrior very... pose all the way to wherever you're going. <laughs> <laughs> um, that continued until one Saturday morning in May in 1954. He was doing the dishes when he heard a voice say. Prepare yourself. You are to become the voice of interplanetary parliament. (laughs) (laughs) How did he react to this? He was very confused. Okay, good, 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 yeah. Um, Which, if we think back to Unarius, where they received a calling to create the first intergalactic library and university on Earth, I don't know why these religions are so obsessed with libraries and parliament and organized bureaucracy (laughs) interplanetary systems. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. But okay. Yeah. So he was mad confused. (laughs) Super confused. It's the fucking most boring ass shit I've ever heard in my entire life. (laughs) Is that aliens exist and all they want is a very orderly library. Yeah, aliens exist, and they're like, we have a UN here too, and we just need you to be the representative for your planet. The reason the, the reason there's a doomsday is because the aliens realized the planets were in the Dewey Decimal System, so they're re- rearranging all of them, <laughs> and it's fucking up everything. I mean, how odd though, in like uh, of the times that they could have caught him, right? Mm. I mean, he's got these eight-hour sessions of yoga. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And yet, the aliens are like, dishes, yo. Yeah. (laughs) While he's doing the dishes. I mean, thank goodness it wasn't while he was driving a taxi fan. I know. (laughs) What? Interplanetary parliament? Dude, I just want to go to the O2. Like, what are you doing? Please just... Drive, please. Do you think he Pay attention to the road. Do you think he felt (laughs) stupid doing all that yoga after that? (laughs) Where he was like, this is what I was trying to do. I should have been washing more dishes. Um, Allegedly, according to their belief system, the all the yoga he was doing helped him attain a higher plane of consciousness, which is why they contacted him. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I think it was all the dishwashing he was doing. <laughs> Very clean boy. I, You so, know, what I do when I'm washing dishes, I usually have like TV going. And I think now I understand that that is a mistake. I am blocking my blessings. Yeah. I am missing messages. <laughs> tried to talk to crystal but she was too busy watching girlfriends the Kardash- girlfriends okay. oh, all man. eight seasons yes so still confused by this message he claims that he was actually visited again a few days later when one of the most famous yogis in india walked through his front door literally the door was locked he just floated inside <laughs> Um, <laughs> I assume he was washing dishes again. <laughs> I don't know for sure, Dude, what but a, I assume. What a fucking entrance <laughs> into somebody's life. 
Oh my god! Just so he up into somebody's apartment because we're because yeah because he said he like floated through the door right yes oh yeah the door god. was there he could have knocked there's a he could have knocked and then opened the door yeah no he was just like float yeah do you think it was like hey man how did you do that and the yogi was like eleven hours of yoga a day <laughs> you nine were, hours you were nine so you were so 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 close. But. <laughs> Also, I drive for Uber. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, man. Now, he does name this person a couple different times, but accounts vary as to who this was. On their website, currently they say, quote, a world-renowned yoga master whom he knew to be alive and active in India at the time, end quote. Hmm. Oh, so he thinks it's like astral projection? I think so. Interesting. Yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's it's it's so fucked up in my head. This is how you know I've been doing this show for too long. Where I said, Oh, you you meant he was like oh, talking astral, astral projection. projection. That makes so much fucking of sense. Course. Duh. Of course. Duh. Well now I understand. That's how we're gonna do our yeah, we're gonna do our desert meetup that way. Yeah. Duh. That's the way I'm doing all live shows now. It's <laughs> just astral projection. I think, it, and also, had they had he been to India before? Like, because my thing is, is like, what what are white people in the UK's depiction of what people in India are spending their ta- time on? Because I really don't think, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I really don't think, like, of all the things that they could have been spending their time on um, during that time period, which weren't they still occupied? I feel like that time. Anyway. No, this, is, this is right after that. Yeah, okay. I, I don't think, like, anybody's trying to talk to anybody in the UK like that, other than to say, get off our damn neck. Um, like, I don't. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't think they're they're willingly being, like, a British person. Yeah, I'll go talk to them. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, man. So during this meeting, uh, the yogi gave him instructions on specific yoga practices and warned him of the dangers of nuclear war and how it would destroy the world and it was up to him to stop it. Now, keep in mind, this is 1954. (laughs) So it is the Cold War. Yeah. A lot of people believed this. Um And there was one more thing that the visitor told him. He had to get the word out about the Ascended Cosmic Masters, the threat of nuclear war, and now he had to get the word out about the Ascended Masters, the threat of nuclear war, and how he was now, quote, the primary terrestrial mental channel. (laughs) Well, it's nice to know that we listen to the same ASMR. This (laughs) This is <laughs> You're the primary terrestrial mental channel. <laughs> Armed with this information, George rented a space, set up microphones, hired a crew to help him record, and he set to recording 600 hours of transmissions from the Cosmic Masters over the next 40 years of his life. Basically, he started a podcast. Oh, my God. (laughs) (laughs) All right, folks. And this astral projection is brought to you by (laughs) Stamps.com. 
Today's astral projection is brought to you by Squarespace. Their unique drag and drop interface allows you to astral project into any websites you need. Stamps.com. Never physically go to the post office again. <laughs> Actually, now that I think about it, if you could astral project, fuck yeah. the post office, just send it directly yourself. <laughs> Just show- Thanks for joining our Patreon. Here's some stickers. <laughs> wow. This is fascinating. <laughs> he, he He's the prime. I just, the, the channel thing, that really. Yep. Oh, that's a lot for me. Um, yep. I just, the, the audacity. Um, no, I'm sorry. <laughs> The cockacity. <laughs> oh God. It's gonna get very Caucasian in a bit. <laughs> Which is surprising because it's already pretty fucking right. white. It is, but modern day they're one of the most diverse groups we've ever covered. Wow. Damn. Yeah, because they're like, well, we're all aliens, so racism shouldn't matter. You shouldn't be racist against anyone. How dare you? We're trying to stop the apocalypse. That's actually a really sweet things. and wholesome yeah. idea. Honestly, I love that. honestly, the end game, <laughs> like when we finally get to the end, I'm just like, much like Unarius, I'm like, yeah, okay. <laughs> you, you do you, you crazy people. All right, sure. Um, So sometimes... The messages he would talk about in these recordings were given to him telepathically. But sometimes the masters wanted to give their messages directly. And for this, he would hypnotize himself into a trance and proceed with the recording. Okay. Mm -hmm. So he also listened to sleep stories (laughs) because they do that. There's like specific hypnosis sleep stories. How does he do this? I do not understand. Does he have a spoon and, you know, (laughs) circles it around a a teacup till he puts himself into the sunken place? Yeah, exactly. (laughs) I, I pictured him just waving a watch in front of his own eyes being like, I'm getting very sleepy. But then I think he would end up like me when I watch YouTube videos to fall asleep, just dropping that watch on his own face. And, you know, it hurts. <laughs> so through this method, he would record transmissions from Master Aetherius, who he would name his society after in 1955, a Venusian general. So like oh, one of the Venus. grandmasters from Venus. And Master Jesus. And my my sleep stories. Nice, nice. (laughs) Uh, He would also talk to Master Jesus, who he claimed was also from Venus, and other cosmic masters from sectors six and eight of Mars. Wow. (laughs) Does this include Grandmaster Flash? Yeah, and Flash Gordon. Uh, It's all real. Everything we've imagined is actually a repressed memory. (laughs) You know what is so funny is that I feel like um, like cult belief structure is the exact same as joke structure in that the more specific it gets, like the more like funnier. Yeah. Oh my god. Like six yes, and eight. Absolutely. If he had not added the sector six and eight, I would have been I'm like, I'm off board. But the six and eight, it's yeah. just like, okay, you know something. 
those you know something I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> I get it. But none of those motherfuckers from sections one through five. Pieces right. Fuck of one shit. through five. <laughs> and if you read on their website how this was kind of possible, uh, when no life has been detected on Venus, <laughs> they would argue that only people who have ascended to a certain spiritual plane can actually see the masters and civilizations on other planets. And if you have not ascended, they're not visible to your eyes. So it's very Emperor's New Clothes, where it's like, <laughs> I can see the aliens and yeah. you can't. Right. Because I did eight hours of yoga, <laughs> bitch. Oh my God. Yeah. Now, as to how these took place... Their site actually says, quote, when an intelligence spoke through Dr. King in trance, the intelligence would be using his voice box and his knowledge of English. And since he was picking up thought rather than words, the personality of the communicator would come through and sometimes had a marked influence on Dr. King's pronunciation and intonation. When the cosmic master of Mars Sector 6 spoke through Dr. King, for example, his voice would become deeper, slower, and had an air of uncompromising spiritual authority. Whereas when the Ascended Master Saint Gu Ling spoke through Dr. King, his voice was, if anything, a little higher than normal, and his pronunciation would display a distinctly East Asian accent, utterly unlike his own. Ooh. Yeah! So he's basically doing... You you guys ever notice how the grandmasters (laughs) from Sector 6 sound like this? But then the masters from uh, Section 8, they sound like this. Yes. (laughs) I'm sorry. Did I miss when we went from George to Dr. King? Uh, sorry, it's anytime he's quoted on their website, they call him Dr. King. Oh, but okay. I'll, I'll explain. Oh, okay. Because I was like, I, I don't give him that yet. No. <laughs> you shouldn't give him that at all. No, spoiler. No, no. I've heard I've heard him doing a lot of things for eight to ten hours, and none of them were going to school. Uh, okay. He's uh, what is that? What is that word? Culturally appropriating. Yeah. Um, <laughs> oh, oh, you meant the accent. He's... I thought you meant a degree. <laughs> no, he's he's a white guy yeah. pretending to do an Asian accent to claim that it is a mystical being from another plane of existence talking through him. Oh, yes, so, that's so, what's happening. Uh, Mickey Rooney's career. Got it. Yes. 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 Or as we would call it today, racism. Right. <laughs> yeah, same thing. Yeah. Um. Uh, regardless of how super racist this was, people were impressed with his knowledge of the cosmic masters. Yeah. And because this is the era for theosophy, Heaven's Gate is building around this same time because we're now into the 60s. And people get, began to follow him which led him to start on his missions to cure the world of evil. So we're going to go through the missions that he has. Um, Some of them more legit than others. Um, So we'll start out with some of the first two, uh, the alien mission and Operation Karma Light. So the alien mission began in 1965, where they believed that intelligences outside our galaxy had made a non-human android and put it in the lower astral regions of the Earth. 
and they had to extract it and remove it from our solar system. So it's like a spiritual pimple. <laughs> Wait, but what was the android doing? What 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 was Allegedly, the android was almost indestructible and could create deadly thought forms that placed Earth, quote, in a precarious situation. So for eight months, they uh, worked with, quote, the Great White Brotherhood, which, by the way, is a diverse diverse group of interplanetary beings. Yeah. Yeah. Of of all different races and cultures called the Great White Brotherhood. Yeah. That's maybe not the uh, you should fire your branding manager. <laughs> and they're fighting against a group called the Silent Group, which is like the the evil ones. But yeah, the Great White Brotherhood allegedly are like the good guys in this situation. Mm. Um, but okay. allegedly, with their minds, they ended up extracting it from its location and sending it out of the solar system. They so then, they succeeded. They succeeded. Yes, I'm grateful. Uh, they've never failed an operation. Honestly. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, then they set out to do Operation Carmelite in 1967, which lasted 16 months, and this was a battle against Satan himself, mm-hmm. who tried to bring the lower astral realms and life forms under his control, and they had to transmute his entity. And supposedly it took 24 phases, but they did successfully complete their mission. And that upset the power in the lower astral realms. So then they had to go back in 1982 and do a number of phases to fully complete the operation. Right. Fuck. I'm so glad they did that before I came. Because I I was, (laughs) you know, I came the next year and... uh, I'm so glad. I feel so free to be born in 1983 and having that all that behind me. You know what I mean? Good for yeah. I'm so I'm happy for you. Goddamn millennials don't even remember this shit. So ungrateful. But then in 1972, so in between the two sets of of fighting Satan in 1972, they had a world emergency because very small beings from space four to five inches long that looked like ants with the ability to move at a great speed were going to invade earth and they would have eradicated all the life on earth by devouring all of our resources so once again they fought them astral projecting uh without any violence but by a show of astral force convinced the aliens to stop their activities and then they escorted them away from the planet and then led them out of our solar system. I saw this show. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, um, I, I, for a second, I know you said astral force, but I thought you said asshole force, and I was like, damn, <laughs> they, <laughs> they farted so hard, they scared the big old ants away. Them big old cosmic farts. Yeah, also, we have actual giant ants, like, on Earth currently. <laughs> we would fuck Ooh. them up. Bring them on. <laughs> I don't need your fancy thinking. We got guns. I want to shoot an ant. Well, then you might like this next one. Uh, It's referred to as the Garouche incident. And essentially what happened was a group of aliens directed an, an asteroid, like a planetoid, towards Mars. And it was going to destroy Mars. So they sent them up to the asteroid to split it in half so that it would miss mars 
Um, and they find out that it was launched by four evil beings from a world known as Garouche. But essentially, that's just the plot of Armageddon. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The movie Armageddon. <laughs> which was not out yet, so. Holy shit. Go for them. Good for them. Did they get a writing credit? No, but I think they maybe should have after reading this. Um, uh, but allegedly, the reason that they wanted that those entities made that planetoid weapon was to conquer Earth after conquering Mars because they were water dwellers and so they could live under our planetary conditions. Mm. And I was like, so science then? Uh- yeah, yeah. <laughs> wow, they wrote a lot of really okay movies. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah w- one mission they didn't have was royalties. <laughs> <laughs> Only $52 in royalties. <laughs> and I know you're thinking that all of this sounds hella fake, um, but these are the battles that they believe have waged war and like prevented the apocalypse. And if you ask them now, almost any time something bad seems like it's going to happen and doesn't happen, they believe it's because of them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So things like, Kim Jong-un was going to launch a nuke, and then he didn't. That's mm-hmm. because of us. So after all of these missions were completed, he started creating bigger projects that he called operations, which were comprised of, like, small missions. Um, so the main ones were Operation Starlight, um, which this is one that they actually continue to do to this day. Mm-hmm. It's where he designated 19 different mountains in the world and said that they were charged with spiritual energy and can be radiated to uplift our world to anyone who preys on them. So there's nine of them in England, four in the USA, two in Australia, one in Tanganyika, one in New Zealand, one in Switzerland, and one in France. And so over the past like 20 or 30 years, multiple different people from this group have climbed those mountains to pray at the top. Mm-hmm. Hmm. To send like good vibes, I guess. <laughs> Okay. Um, Then uh, there's Operation Space Power, which involves them creating what they call spiritual pushes at certain times of the year. Usually, this means that some of the essentially, I, I guess, clubs, chapters, chapters, climb local mountains, like whatever's close to them, and have like a ceremony on that mountain. And they have also allegedly astrally created radiators that can kind of echo and project the positive energy that they create during that time. I get okay. I'm, I'm kind of confused why the fuck you would climb a mountain if you could just astral project up the mountain. I don't know, man. Well, I, I wonder if George was the only one who had mastered astral projection at that point. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Fucking quote unquote mastered it. Because he was <laughs> mentally in touch with the aliens. So. Yeah. Yeah. They were mentally like texting back and forth. They were like mentally <laughs> making plans. There was Operation Blue Water, which was an operation to alleviate the effects of a warp in Earth's magnetic field produced by atomic experiments and negative thoughts. Hmm. Uh, and so <laughs> they, 
they wanted to give back to the earth some of the energy that had taken been taken away from the earth by these atomic experiments and yes they did succeed um <laughs> this is this is like um in peter pan when we're supposed to clap so yes. that the fairy comes back to life yes mm-hmm. this is that yeah <laughs> <laughs> okay Got it. I just want. Yeah. I just wanted to figure out if I was catching what you were throwing. Yeah, okay. yeah Crystal. Yeah, yeah. Obviously, <laughs> obviously, the lesson is that you just have to believe. Yeah. <laughs> uh, then second to last is Operation Sunbeam, in which they created spiritual batteries, <laughs> essentially boxes made of wood with like spikes sticking out of them that they can plug into things. That they could then load up with positive energy and discharge as needed. Wait, 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 wait. Yep. They made a physical thing. I've seen it. Uh, it's in the YouTube documentary for New York Times. You get to see the battery and the container that the battery goes in, which is fully a toolbox. Yeah. <laughs> God, these fucking idiots. But that brings me to their most important operation and the one that they still heavily invest in today and that's operation prayer power which is them loading up those batteries uh they do it weekly during services then sometimes they climb up to mount baldy and other mountains and basically like hadouken prayer power into these batteries and then save them and then when bad things are happening they quote unquote discharge the batteries to stop bad things from happening so like that's why they believe like oh, we thought there was going to be this storm that was going to hit Jamaica, and then it didn't, and it's because we discharged the prayer battery. Oh. I guess yeah. what I, I'm I'm wondering is, like, when they are praying, mm-hmm. is there an entity in, to which they are praying to? Are they saying, like, oh, alien from, I don't, who has an Indian accent for some reason? Like, <laughs> do you, like, I... <laughs> Please, what are they saying? What are the prayers? So they're kind of a mixed religion. And some places would call it a syncretic religion where they kind of pull from a bunch of different stuff. Mm -hmm. So they usually, they might say ascended masters or cosmic masters. Okay. And that's who they're trying to communicate with. Sometimes they'll even just say God because they do believe there's a God Mm -hmm. and that he is kind of controlling this whole scenario. Mm -hmm. It's a little... Unitarian Universalist where it's kind of instead of like some religions who are like our way is the way they're like any way could be the way you just got to stay positive and fill these damn batteries we got so many batteries to fill <laughs> gotta fill the batteries um, and so in that way it's like much like Unarius it's kind of harmless they're not hurting anybody really they're just trying to fill the batteries um, and I do really like the idea of Thinking of the apocalypse not so much as it's coming and so we need to kill ourselves or it's coming and so we might not as well do anything because we're going to die anyway. And it's coming and we need to live on this commune and and not talk to anyone because we're just waiting for it to come. Mm -hmm. Instead of that, they take this view of the apocalypse is coming, but we don't know when, we don't know how. We just know that we have to do our best on Earth right now because that's where we are and that's what we have control over. Mm -hmm. And I fully jive with that. I'm Mm -hmm. like, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. Now, what I do wish, and they do do some charity and other things too. Yeah, they're the fucking wish- Ghostbusters, dude. They're sick as <laughs> hell. Yeah, they're the Ghostbusters. Uh, I do fully wish that for as much time as they spent, quote, charging up the batteries <laughs> that they would like open a soup kitchen <laughs> or <something Yeah>. like, <laughs> more tangible is what I want but I feel like their heart is in the right place and mm-hmm. so I'm just mm-hmm. like I mean yeah. could you charge the batteries and do a clothing drive like right. yeah. <laughs> could we the, combine these things somehow that reminds me of my favorite line in Ghostbusters which is literally in the beginning where like they're like the there's a a, a quote unquote plan that Bill Murray has, and then it literally is like getter, or like I think it's <laughs> Dan Aykroyd, and then like they walk out and they're like that was your whole plan getter. I feel like when we finally do get to the apocalypse, like God is just gonna be like that was your whole plan batteries. <laughs> <laughs> batteries. <laughs> I made you this double A with my love. <laughs> it's literally like, it looks like a car battery mm-hmm. to the point where I was like, did they spray paint a car battery? But I don't know. that they, I don't think they did. I think it's like custom made. Like they yeah. made them. I don't know. Supposedly there's rose quartz and crystal inside it. Okay. Yeah. That makes because you need those. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, we sure did for this episode. Ba-doom. Yeah. So let's talk about how George then handles his growing religion because unlike a lot of groups, he did all the work of setting up a hierarchy and a board of directors and essentially removed himself as the quote unquote leader. He created like a functional business model where he got to just chill in his bungalow and talk to the ascended masters Hmm. and then come out every once in a while and be like, we solved world hunger (laughs) going back in. But in that time, he also accrued a number of titles. And I think we should get into them now. Yeah, please. So according to the Ethereum Society, he was given a number of titles as, quote, a token of gratitude for his work. However, all of this is only from them. There's no, like, proof proof about oh it. Oh, God. So they gave him a bunch of, like, participation trophies for thinking hard enough. Right? And they almost always stem from obscure sources. So, like, one of his titles is A Knighthood in the Sovereign Military Orthodox Dynastic Imperial Constantinian Order of St. George, which was from the Byzantine Royal House in Exile. And is not recognized by the College of Arms in England. I, anytime we get to talk about the College of Arms, that's my favorite. What is, what is the College of Arms, and why isn't that? Why isn't it the name of the coolest gym ever? <laughs> Honestly, if I was opening a gym, I would call it the College of Arms. Welcome to the College of Arms. I've got the beefiest upper body and the tiniest legs. I'm majoring in biceps. Um, it's it's the end of minor in criminal justice. <laughs> uh, it's the entity that controls knighthood in England. Okay. Hmm. okay. Yeah. How easy is it to be a knight in England? Is it like getting ordained as I'll a minister? I'll get to that in just a sec. Uh, yes and no. Hmm. <laughs> so, um, the society also usually refers to George King as Doctor George King or Doctor wow. King, confusing everyone. <laughs> yeah, that is um, very confusing. 
Especially because of the missions. They're so similar between yeah. <laughs> so the two they're all in, He has dreams. So, you know. Um, but allegedly he received his doctorate from the International Theological Seminary of California. But that is one of those ones where you just kind of sign up online to ordain people. Oh, okay. Yeah. Yeah. Um, he's also referred to as the Metropolitan Archbishop of the Aetherius Churches, which is something they just made up. Yeah. Um, now, in 1991, he was presented with letters patent of armorial bearings, also known as a grant of arms, by Blue Mantle Pursuivant, a herald of Her Majesty's College of Arms in England. Now, this is different than being knighted by the Queen. A grant of arms can be applied for. Anyone can receive a grant of arms. Oh. If they satisfy one of several requirements. You basically just apply to have one. What? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, But again, that's not the same as being like knighted by the queen. It's it's different. Yeah. It's like like an AA degree at the College of Arms instead of like an MFA, Mm -hmm. you know? Yeah. Hmm. So according to the society, his proper title was... His Eminence, Sir George King, OSP, PhD, THD, DD, Metropolitan Archbishop of the Aetherius Churches. No. And they claim that his knighthood is not British, but, quote, from an unspecified foreign source. No. (laughs) (laughs) No. Mm -mm. Um, Yep. Uh, Someone who, uh, a man named Long John Nebel, who had um, George as a guest on his radio show. We're trusting this person. Well, he he wrote at one point, George, King of England is what he calls himself. And you can't be sure whether he's pausing after George or after King. But it doesn't really matter because about three minutes in, you get the idea strong and clear. So basically either George, King Uh of England Uh or George King of England. (laughs) (laughs) But further... The society has also claimed that George King was a chaplain of the American Federation of Police. Uh, The full organization's name being American Federation of Police and Concerned Citizens, which is basically a neighborhood watch. Anyone who wants to join that group can join for $45. And Charity Navigator gives them a zero star ranking. They have been essentially outed as a scam site occasionally mm-hmm. they're constantly soliciting and people are not entirely sure where the money goes mm-hmm. um but yeah. they also don't have any way to apply to be a position like f- as a chaplain and don't list any official official chaplains so like that's not a thing either no also it's <laughs> um, just a small aside i googled how to be knighted um uh-huh. and one of the first things that pops up is an ad uh that just says get a knighthood increased <gasps> chance of success by 550% with our help. Oh yeah, it's probably the Firefest people. Yeah. Um uh, there's also I don't know if you guys know and this is different than a knighthood. You can just buy a title. I I bought one for my dad for Christmas. But what do you mean? I don't even understand like like buy it so that what so that, so that it's you, on your so tombstone. So that my dad is so now that, Lord Jim. Yeah, but like King of the Slim. To but to whom? Um. So the way I did it is there are certain older laws in Scotland where if you're a landowner, that would make you a lord. So you purchase like however many square feet 
on a plot of land that the company owns or whatever that they plant a tree on in your name and that technically makes you a lord so they send you like patents of lordship <laughs> and stuff to go along with I it. Just... It's like $75 <laughs> worth every penny because it's hilarious. I've been, going into, I've been going really far into how to become a knight and I got some bad news, y'all. Uh-oh. Oh no. Are you a knight no, now? No, but here... <laughs> Here are I, I cause, okay. Here's the thing. I wanted to see how you could be a knight, and so I found an article on some requirements or some ways that you can be knighted. Um, and none of <laughs> we don't really fit a lot of these. Um, number oh, one, shit. be born into the noble class. So already, oh. like fuck all of us. Um, <laughs> Speak for yourself. <laughs> number two is be born a male. So yeah, all oh. right. You know oh, what? Damn it. Uh, 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 I hope you suffocate in your giant balls. (laughs) But but the number like five or whatever is obey the governing laws, and it's like I'm out, baby. I got too much. (laughs) Well, yeah, because you can definitely lose your knighthood um, through tax evasion, which people have done. Yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. that's true. Mm -hmm. Oh man! But all joking aside. Sir Knight Dr. George King died in Santa Barbara, California on January 12th, 1997 at the age of 78. Wow. And the church continues his work today with no interruption. Damn. They did, however, build a temple in his honor, which includes a small museum to him, including such trinkets as his ice pick and his personal maracas. (laughs) I'm sorry. What? (laughs) What? He had, he's he okay because this paints the entire story in a different light where well all of this has been happening the whole time he's like I gotta save the world I heard no other stories about the maracas but it was in that uh, the, the uh, Huck article I believe is what it was oh God. um yeah, Huck Magazine's article on it uh, that just mentioned that there were an ice pick because of all the mountain climbing he did to mm-hmm. you know prey on top of mountains. Uh, and then it just says his personal maracas. And I was like, do people typically share maracas? What's going on? Why were they so important to him and no one else mentions it? Maybe that's how he hypnotized himself. You're getting very sleepy. You're getting very <laughs> Yeah. I'm surprised he doesn't have a steel drum. <laughs> Satan is caliente and we need to battle it. <laughs> And that is the end of the Ethereum Society. They still exist. You can join them if you want uh, to charge up the battery and climb mountains. And I would call them harmless, much like Unarius. <laughs> They've had um, no schism. They've had no like offshoot, no breaking, like no ar- like arguments, no nothing. Wow. The, the board of directors and everything that he set up had clear lines of succession and clear like job formation for people to take over the various yeah. you know groups around the world and so they exist super peacefully <laughs> even after his death and they play his recordings at um services typically if you want to go to them wow. if your founder's prized possession was a pair of maracas i don't <laughs> i don't think that you're gonna be causing much problems 
<laughs> they do they do also have an online store where you can buy things like pendulums oh. and like books and everything. I wanted to buy my maracas. Um, I don't think they sell maracas, but Armando, I think this might be a chance for you to get your own personal maracas. Yeah. Hell yeah. Or like Maybe they were a gift from the aliens. You know what I'm saying? Ooh. Like, yeah, you have to be gifted them. Like, mm. then maybe that's why they're so special. Maybe. Mm-hmm. Maybe. <laughs> do you think they were from sector, sector eight or sector six? I think they're from Master Jesus. Uh, Master yeah. Jesus from Venus. Uh. It's Master Jesus. Oh, Master and Jesus. That's why he exactly, got the exactly. <laughs> <laughs> We've been saying it wrong the whole time. <laughs> <laughs> anyway i encourage you to check out their website it's a lot of fun oh my god that's awesome and there there ain't no sex no no weird, i mean i'm sure people like, do have sex because they're human but there's no like sex ritual wow good yeah. for him i know it's like the, the most benign like really organized cult around batteries ever. i'm actually ready to forgive the racism um, <laughs> well i mean to be fair the guy that was doing it is dead so like yeah. currently they have they're super diverse and in the documentary it's like no two of a kind in that group it's wild wow. yeah mm-hmm. pretty so, tight yeah. I love that. Oh my god! I'm, I'm, I am excited to check out the website. <laughs> <laughs> well, this was great. Thank you so much for bringing this page. This was yeah, you're welcome. This was awesome, Crystal. Thank you so much for joining us. Um, yeah, thanks for having me. Yeah, this episode, uh, just like every episode, is brought to you by uh, Doctor King's Maracas. Hey, <laughs> do you got to save the world, but do it with a funky fiesta beat. <laughs> <laughs> then go out to your local, I don't know, fucking Home Depot probably and get, how do you, where, how would you, I want to learn how to make maracas. Because I think you could do I, I don't know how to make maracas. I'm sure somebody does. I bet it would be pretty, because my thought process was like, I could go to Home Depot, I can get like two PVC pipes and duct tape and like a bunch of like <laughs> screws or something and put them in there and then instant maracas. I mean, I feel like that's almost more work than just buying maracas. Sure. Yeah, I don't know. Than just buying maracas. Well, here's the Dude, thing. we live three hours from the Mexican border. You're currently in San Diego, a stone's throw. I am. I am. Just walk out your door and find some maracas. Yeah. Well, that's okay. Here's the thing, though. I feel like if you have personal maracas, you can't just like buy them. You have to be like they have to, you have be, to be gifted. Yeah, them. and they have yeah. to be made for mm-hmm. you, or you have to mm-hmm. make them yourself, forge them in mm-hmm. fuego, like and a tarot ice. deck. Yeah. Because I bet he had special hands that like needed special maraca shapes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my god. Uh, (laughs) Jokes aside, our episode is actually brought to you by our wonderful, amazing Patreon donors. Uh, This episode is brought to you in part by uh, Jim and Carrie. Hi, Jim and Carrie. Jim and Carrie say, hello, glorious cult leaders. I am finally a Patreon. <laughs> I, Thank I know you. they meant Patreon member. Enjoy your complimentary maracas. Yeah, I know they meant Patreon <laughs> member, but they just said, I am finally a Patreon. I started listening about two months ago and have already blown through all the episodes. I also told my husband about it, and he is hooked as well. 
Uh, also, if I had a cult, I think it would be the cult of pie because pies are delicious and versatile. Oh, I agree. 100%. Oh, yeah, yeah, Thank yeah. you, Jim and Carrie. Yeah, I am also, yes. I'm also team pie over cake all yes. day. Every all day. day. Every day. <laughs> mm-hmm. uh, although my only <laughs> follower would probably be my husband because he always gets excited when I cook and eats all the things I make, even when I don't do a great job. Did Aww. I write this? <laughs> Uh, anyway, thank you, Paige and Jake. Uh, wonderful Patreon. <laughs> thank you, Jim and Carrie. Uh, oh, my God. I just realized their couple name is Jim Carrey. Holy shit. Exactly. That's awesome. Exactly. That is awesome. Oh, my God. Yeah. Um, if you want to support what we do, uh, go ahead and visit patreon.com slash cult podcast. Uh, check out all of our really cool tiers. Uh, right now we're in the middle of releasing Paige's novel, Maneater, which is a, a very sexual romp into vampires. Yep. Um. That's what it is. Yeah. <laughs> you said it. So patreon.com slash cold podcast. Uh, Crystal, where can people find you? Um, you know, uh, I'll be, uh, listening to my sleep stories. <laughs> um, but when I'm, <laughs> but yeah, don't find me there. I'll be, I'll be in space with Astrid, but you can also find me, uh, online. I'm a uh, crystaladams.com. I just renewed my, uh, membership. So it's still, it's still mine. It's still my website. Find me there. That's where I post my stuff. Thank you. <laughs> awesome. Awesome. And are you, you, you can listen to, uh, Crystal and Paige, uh, together on the podcast Black Card Rehab, which is a lot of fun. Um, where can just one more time? Where can people go uh, to to read more about the uh, the comic magazine? Yeah, so Kickstarter.com. Um, that is where um, we are running a Kickstarter, <laughs> uh, <laughs> and um, just look for Mutiny um, or Mutiny Magazine, and um, or you can go to our website Fair Square Comics, and it's it's really it's going to be really exciting so and i'm i'm uh, really excited for the magazine that we're producing it's going to be beautiful um for everybody that is is interested in comics or wants to know more about comics or wants to read uh, a um amazing story written by page uh that's that's where you go kickstarter.com hell yeah um Yay. cool uh if you want to send me uh instructions on either how to become a knight or how to make the perfect maracas at this point i'll take either <laughs> um go ahead and send those to me on social media everywhere at mondo does stuff m-a-n-d-o does stuff you can find me on instagram twitter tiktok all of that shit hey if you're in the cult podcraft facebook group and you make maracas and you want to send me pictures of them or coordinate a way to send us custom maracas thrilled uh you can contact me at page wesley on twitter or at rampage wesley on instagram you can also send us an email to cultpodcastshow at gmail.com or if you have maracas and you just want to send us a whole box of maracas you can send those to 3756 <laughs> west avenue 40 sweet k number 237 like the Shining, Los Angeles, California, 90065. And I think for this one, I'm going to say, don't drink something that a taxi driver hands you. <laughs> yeah. 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 <laughs> and don't drink the Kool-Aid. Bye. Bye. Bye.